Hey, welcome to Repeat Customer, a business podcast from Zendesk about customer experience. We have lots to talk about, but first, I have to tell you a story about a fish taco. Hi, my name is Paige. I don't even like fish, but I love that fish taco. So that fish taco that non-fish eating Paige loves is not a real fish taco, and his name is Ernesto. Ernesto is a toy, and he looks like a koi fish in a taco shell. It's a plush toy. Are we clear? Ernesto is a plush toy that looks like a fish taco. Casey was a, an only child when we first got Ernesto. If it's not in the toy box, he will look around the house for it until he finds it. But in the same way Ernesto is a toy and not a real fish taco, Casey is Paige's child, but he's not really an actual child. Here, Casey, you can have it. Get your fish taco, bud. Casey is a dog. He's a chocolate lab German short-haired pointer. And Ernesto, well, Ernesto came in something called a BarkBox. BarkBox is this subscription that you get a box of toys and treats for your dog every month. BarkBox, a subscription service for dogs. <laughs> Much more about BarkBox in a moment, but before that, listen to what Paige did after getting Ernesto. Ernesto the fish taco was such a big part of our family that I went and got it as a tribute tattoo for my dog. It's huge. Oh my goodness, that is Ernesto on your arm. Yep, it looks just like him. Casey the dog's favorite toy, Ernesto the fish taco, is now a tattoo on Paige's arm. Stop biting me. I'm not food. Welcome to Repeat Customer, an original podcast from Zendesk about great customer experiences, how companies create them, and why their superfans love them so much. My name is Mio Edelman, and Zendesk is a customer service and engagement platform. And the people there are, you could say, kind of obsessed with what goes into great customer experiences. So they've sent me and my husky voice down the path of leashed resistance, a deep rabbit hole to figure out how Bark, the company behind BarkBox, created a customer experience for dogs. For dogs? Hey there, human. You've reached Bark's happy team. For immediate assistance, press 1 to send us a text. Press 2 to chat with us on Facebook. Press 3 to speak to dog. Now that's customer service. But who exactly is the customer? Dog or dog owner? That's going to be my question for the crazy dog people at Bark. But first, let's get up to speed on what a dog's life looked like before Bark. At one point, dogs were guard dogs. You built them, uh, you know, some sort of wooden shack or whatever, so they would kind of be able to shelter themselves. And you left them outside. I don't know a lot about dogs. In fact, as a kid, dogs would see me and start barking, which would freak me out, which would freak them out, and then I would run for my life. So I found this guy, Phil Chang, also known as Retail Phil, that's the name of his retail consulting business, to help me out. I'm a fixer. Phil doesn't fix dogs, he fixes companies. And among other things, he's a pet retail expert, which I find incredible. Even more incredible, he doesn't have a dog. Anyway, 
So I get it. Historically, people kept dogs to do certain jobs, guard the house, you know, retrieve pheasants while hunting, if that was your thing. Then after hundreds of years of that, dogs moved from that wooden shack in the backyard to inside your actual house. But this is what it was like when you shopped for your dog. It was very commodity driven. It was like, here's a dog bed. Here's, um, you know, something from a, a big brand, you know, pet food, that sort of thing. Um, just buy it in bulk, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. Very transactional, right? So you could go into a PetSmart, you could go in a little guy, and they pretty much ha have all the same things. But then something happened that really changed things for dogs. Well, we're moving on. Somewhere in the last 10 years, probably in the last five in particular, dog ownership really started to shoot up. That Part of that is millennials. It's a cheaper option than having children. It doesn't interrupt your lifestyle the same way. And so they started to migrate to this uh, idea that dogs are children too. And people started to call themselves dog mommies and dog daddies. As a non-dog person, as a dogless heathen, this is an amazing notion. And by amazing, I mean kind of crazy. So I run it by Paige, the woman you met at the beginning, the one with a tattoo of Ernesto. So this is Indy. She is just over a year old. She's a Border Collie Great Pyrenees mix. And this is Casey. This is my baby boy. He's three years old. Now, now when you say he's your baby, what does that mean exactly? I don't really want kids, so that's, that's my son. So do you consider yourself a dog mummy? Oh yeah, I'm definitely a dog mom. That's me all the way. Casey! And now, dog mommy can't just let dog baby sleep in a dog bed. The dogs sleep in the bed. In your bed? Casey sleeps right between us. Wow. Co-sleeping, man. I know, but babies eventually move into their own bed. Yeah, but he's always going to be my baby. <laughs> These couples that don't have children, they can afford more. They've got more time on their hands. And the, the evolution is kind of in full bloom now. It's almost like following the kid path. They want really great food. You've got raw diets. You've got grain-free diets. You've got supplements now for dogs. I think dogs wear better apparel than we do now. They have footwear. I'm sorry, this is still a bit much for me to wrap my head around. But safe to say, this was the dawn of the era of the fur baby. Larger pet stores, even local mom and pop stores, started catering to dog mommies and daddies. But the dog category was exploding. And the time was ripe for a new customer experience. Enter Hugo, the Great Dane. He's the dog who changed everything. Hugo belongs to Matt Meeker, Bark CEO. And as you probably know, Great Danes are enormous dogs. Hi, my name is Hernan Giraldo. I'm the VP of Customer Experience Operations here at Bark. So Matt, he was on this endless search to find right the, the right product for his dog, and he, he wasn't able to find it as easily as he would hope. You go into a pet store, and the store associate, let's call him, not being able to relate to you as a dog parent, because maybe they're they're more cat people. Maybe they're just really into fish. All right. So from <laughs> so from that standpoint, there was a first and foremost, I think, an emotional disconnect. Um, and and secondly, there wasn't really a, a whole you know slew of interesting product. You know, I, I've heard 
heard where he would go to a pet store in his neighborhood and they would just give him a, you know, a, a Benabone. Um, nothing fun about that, right? There's nothing that, that you can say, wow, I can really enjoy that experience with, with my dog. Matt was going to stores looking for three things. One, products specifically tailored to the fairly unique needs of a Great Dane. Two, an experience he could enjoy with his dog. And three, amazingly, an emotional connection with the people in the store. Remember those three things for later, because unable to find any of them in a traditional store, Matt Meeker, who was already an accomplished entrepreneur, started BarkBox. So BarkBox is a monthly subscription service for your dog. In each box, you get two toys, two treats, and a chew. And everything is usually themed. Themes like Jurassic Bark, the good, the bad, and the pugly. How about Knights of the Hound Table? These days, you can pretty much get a monthly subscription box for just about anything. But when Bark launched in 2011, there were very few. The main one was Birchbox, a box of beauty products. Why does my dog need two different toys every month? Why do they need that much stuff? Yeah. You know, Mio, you asking that question tells me you're probably not a dog parent. And that's okay, right? That's okay. But, you know, crazy dog people, they will go to bars specifically because their dog is allowed. I think in that spirit, right, we want to spoil our dog. We're making that experience through the subscription business really, really easy for you and effortless, right? You don't have to do anything. All you do is have an unboxing with your dog, right? And you're sharing that experience and you're seeing how, how excited your dog becomes when when boxes start to arrive in general, because they, they think they're all bark boxes. So I've arrived at my friend Michael's apartment. Michael has two dogs, and I've come with these bark boxes. They've never tried them before. And uh, my understanding is that one of Michael's dogs is a puppy and very excitable. So... Um, I've been warned the dog is a jumper. Hi there. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Hi. Whoa. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Is that ch- That's Chudley. <laughs> Chudley just jumped right on top of me. Is that good? That's Chudley licking the mic. <laughs> I'm definitely out of my comfort zone. Michael's dog, Chudley, is seriously invading my personal space. So I pull out the bark box. This one's theme is Egyptian. Age of the Furrow. Get it? Pharaoh Furrow? Oh, wow. <laughs> so the first thing I see is a, a Pharaoh plush toy, and I'm pretty sure it's going to squeak. Oh. Look at her face. Chudley rips the Furrow out of Michael's hands and runs around the apartment, wagging her tail, chewing on the squeaker. She's exhausted. <laughs> And then Michael opens the other toy. It's a slug bug beetle tug. (laughs) I'm laughing because I don't know. There is an Egyptian scarab thing. Like, I look like an idiot, but the name of this toy is hysterical. At this point, I'm not even sure who's having more fun, but I guess that's the point. Judging by my visit to Michael's and also the countless unboxing videos I've seen on YouTube, dogs and their humans are getting that shared experience that Bark CEO Matt Meeker envisioned for himself and Hugo, the Great Dane. 
But this begs the question I've been waiting to ask. Who's your customer, though? Dog or human? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question. So to us, our, our dogs are the customer. The human or the dog parent is there to facilitate that transaction. But how can dogs be customers? They're dogs. You know, I started this podcast knowing very little about what actually goes into customer experience. I've done my research, talked to some bright minds in the CX space, learned a lot about how customers think, feel, and act. And when I say customers, I mean humans. Now, Hernan wants me to believe that dogs can also be customers. So in an effort to remain open-minded, I find someone who's peered deeply into the minds of dogs. The literature in um, dog cognition has exploded over the past uh, decade or so. Hi, my name is Christy Hoffman. I'm an assistant professor of animal behavior, ecology, and conservation. And I also run the master's program we have here at Canisius College in anthrozoology, which is the study of human-animal relationships. Most dogs don't have a lot of freedom to make decisions, um, but what we found is when they do have that freedom, they are pretty impressive. When I ask you if if dogs are like humans, I understand that they are animals. <laughs> but but you think that there is enough there's enough there in a dog that they that they have some sort of autonomy over their thoughts and feelings. Definitely, definitely. You know, if you want an individual that doesn't have any sort of thoughts and feelings, then you know, a stuffed dog might be a good option. But certainly dogs do have thoughts and feelings and opinions, but their preferences for things may be a little different than what we might anticipate. So for humans, obviously vision is very important to us and hearing, but our noses don't work very well, for example, compared to dogs' noses. We might be attracted to the color of a toy or, or the material that it's made of, and for our dog that might be the case, but also... It may be that the smell is offensive. Like for the dog, you might be like, ooh, I don't like the smell of this rubber toy. So broadly speaking, dogs are capable of being customers. Yes. I think we have to step aside and, and watch our dogs and how they engage with those products to really realize, to, to understand what they really want out of toys and treats and various things they can chew on. Okay, my mind is completely blown. Dogs can apparently be customers, and their individual preferences should be studied by pet retailers and pet owners. I mean pet parents. And this is exactly what Bark has done, according to my main man, Retail Phil. So they literally said, listen, like, tell me about you and your dog. Um, tell me what you love about your dog. Tell me all the things that excite your dog. And I'm going to deliver you every month something super cool that surprises and delights you. And even more so is your dog's going to freak out when that box comes in. And you think, oh my God, there's somebody in that office who understands what my household looks like and what I want. Phil is describing personalization. But for dogs, personalization it should be canineization or animalization. One of the, the really interesting things that I saw on the Bark website was this breakdown of different so-called personality types of dogs. 
I see a dog, I see a dog. I see yeah. two dogs, I see two dogs. Yeah. I don't see different characteristics. <laughs> I don't see, I mean, I know that dogs serve different functions 200 yeah. years ago. Yeah. They've really gone for that. And it really seems to have hit with the customer. They've turned science into something where there wasn't any data before. They have data. I don't know if it's enough if it's a true computer algorithm, but it's certainly a human algorithm. And they're tapping into that of like, listen, you know, your dog's a terrier. He's got to go chase things, right? Like your dog's a, a border collie and needs to gather things or, or herd things. How do we give them toys that are going to do that? But but those are the things that pet parents are looking for, right? It's just like your, your kid... You know, at four, you know, your kid's trying to do something different. You know, at six, you know, at 16, your kid's trying to take your car, like all those sort of things, right? And so it's the same sort of mentality they're after. And we're back to the dogs as children thing. Hernan at BarkBox breaks it down for me further. How can we appeal to your dog's unique play style? We do, um, you know, obsess about kind of the details. How how does a dog play with the crinkly material? Or how does a dog react to fabric that resembles feathers? There's like this squeaker board in, in New York City that, that our designers and merchants look at. It, there's like 50 different type of squeakers there. Welcome to Bark Shop. My name is Lori. So we have the super squeaker. And the classic squeaker. Much quieter, much higher pitch. I find that this squeaker is a lot more gentle on my human ears. It's a tube squeaker. Finally, we have Vern, Vern the Vulture. Vern, really good for shredding. Is that possible that there are that many kinds of dog personalities that would inform those level of choices? Yeah, so I, you know, just from personal experience, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie back to my own dog, Chili. So she loves cuddling with toys. While there's there's a ton of dogs in our office that we know that they're you know for lack of a better word they're they're destroyers. They're dogs that just want to take out the fluff out of the plush toy. While there's others that we're we're calling squeaker seekers, right? That they won't rest until they <laughs> they get to the squeaker, and it's and it's hilarious, right? How that varies from dog to dog. So by using data, Bark has created a way to personalize the products and give your dog something unique. Another wish on Great Dane Hugo's list checked off. Add it to the wish for shared experiences. But now we come to probably the most sort of, in my mind, out there wish. That's to have an emotional connection as part of the retail experience. Have you ever even thought about that as an option before? From what I can tell, the engine of Bark's operation is customer support. They're called the happy team, and they all have one very important thing in common with their customers. Part of our secret recipe has been we don't compromise on hiring dog people. We are, we're a company of, of dog parents, right? We can relate at uh, every, every level of motion of what you as a dog parent experience. So it might not be a surprise that happy team members bring their dogs to work. It's a chill day, right? Typically, it's a little, a little louder, uh, but that that varies if the dogs are off leash or not. But it's very common that you know you're working throughout your day, you're hearing you're hearing a squeaker or two, so it's very it's very common you'll hear that in your day, or if you're in a meeting. They're all in, like they literally make no bones about being dog people, and they could give a crap whether you believe that they're being hokey or not. Their dogs are everything to them, and and um, you almost. You know, you're not legitimate unless you're really thinking through it from a dog's eyes. 
we see ourselves much more than a customer support team because we're, we're hoping to deliver an experience through personal connections with customers. The way we accomplish that is in, obviously in different forms with a, like a very unique and, and kind of uh, informal tone, if you will. Uh, it's it's pre- pretty common that when you interact with us, you know, we'll, we'll use a dog pun or two or, or use a funny dog gif. Another exciting thing that we're working on is trying to engage with our customers through video chat. So uh, imagine imagine experience where you can connect with a fellow dog parent and kind of you're both both showing off your dogs through that interaction. That idea came up because oftentimes when customers would would call us, they would hear our dogs barking in the background and, you know, they would ask about that. And so quickly that conversation uh, evolved to, so tell me about your dog. And so before you know it, we had team members kind of FaceTiming and showing our dog parents, kind of our office. My name's Kirsten. Um, this is my dog, Jackson. He's a golden retriever. Um, anything that's squeaky and super obnoxious, he loves. Um, he likes to play tug. <laughs> they, they become pen pals, and, th- and all they do is just talk about their dogs, right? And they start following each other's dogs on Instagram, which is really, really cool to see how, you know, from... From an interaction where, you know, customers just wondering where their package is to, you know, pen pals. It's a really cool experience to see. Customer support becomes something way deeper. An emotional connection based on a shared love for their dogs. And a community is created. And that connection leads to a way deeper level of support. All dog parents that cancel their subscription because their their poor dog passed... All of those customers are getting a handwritten condolence card, right? Because we do believe that even though potentially our business relationship has ended with that subscription, we know what a tough loss that is. Those condolence cards often include an artist-drawn image of the dog. If you don't believe me, check Twitter. There's countless examples where, you know, we've heard of dog parents having a little bit of financial hardship or or a major life change. And we will take it upon ourselves to give them a month or two of a free bark box just so that their dog doesn't have to, you know, suffer in a moment of hardship. And there's another thing I've heard that Hernan's team does that takes everything another step way further. We essentially identify uh, customers who've moved cities. And all those customers, we actually um, take an opportunity to research kind of the most highly rated dog parks or vets um, or dog-friendly bars, right? And we, we understand as dog parents how stressful a move can be for a human and, and their dog. Just like dogs, the happy team becomes best friends with the humans they're supporting. And this sense of community isn't just for the tough times. Next left, here are just a few of the belly-blasting, muscle-molding, chins-chiseling exercises you can expect to master with pug training. Pug squats, pug lunges, pug plank, pug crunches, pug curls, and everyone's favorite, hot pug potato, and so many more. Bark throws a bunch of grown-worthy content up online that only a dog lover would appreciate. And they promote yours, too. As we think about our social platforms or our, or our social presence, it's been a really, really great way for us to introduce ourselves to other dog parents. It could be like a funny meme of a dog video, and it's also uh, giving them kind of a safe place to kind of just be themselves and be crazy dog people and share share photos of their dogs and, and, and kind of share that experience with other dog parents. So we do have celebrity dogs that, that help us promote our voice 
Um, and there's like 500 of these celebrity dogs that are kind of putting out content and appealing to our customers, people that are super excited about their dog. Celebrity dogs, dog influencers, sponsored by Bark. The same way a fashion or cosmetics company will sponsor someone with a big Instagram following. Except in this case, the influencer is named Chloe Cardogian. People know you by your dogs, right? So when you're around pet people, they really, they understand. Like if you've got a schnauzer, like, oh, schnauzer person, right? Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jack Russell, you know, like it's just the weirdest thing, but it, it, there is that sense of camaraderie and the, the bark guys really like they wear it, they know it. And then that makes people go, listen, like these guys are insanely serious about pets and dogs. How can I not trust them? So Bark has delivered on the dreams of Hugo the Great Dane, a personalized experience shared by dog and dog parent as part of a larger emotional connection with dog retailer. And surprisingly, despite the disruptive customer experience Bark has brought to the pet industry, I mean, there's a lot of dog subscription services now, their growth doesn't seem to have been challenged by the larger chains and mom and pop stores. No one I spoke to described any controversies or major tensions. With all this growth and then with all this proliferation of products and, and the way the pet owners have gone out on this one, or pet parents, the industry doesn't have a clear kind of dominant player. The pet industry is a $500 billion business, growing, I think, somewhere in the 5 to 10% range year over year. And Bark has gone beyond subscription to now include Bark Shop, an online store, and Bark products are also now available in Target. But with a growing number of people who consider themselves pet parents, what's next? Is this just for dogs? <laughs> no, no. The madness is just beginning. So it is about dogs right now. Cat will be the next thing. And then small reptiles, all of those kind of small animals will come after that. Actually, if you want to know where dog was 10 years ago, go look at you know all the cat products out there. That's what it is right now. And so you're going to see that cat industry come up right behind the dog industry. But you can't call it a cat box. <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah, maybe no, not. Nobody's, nobody's going to want to buy a cat box. Nobody's going to buy a cat box. <laughs> uh, kitty litter. <laughs> okay, you've been listening to Repeat Customer by Zendesk. A show about how customer-focused companies create great customer experiences. And if you're looking to elevate your company's customer service game, check out Zendesk.com because the best customer experiences are built on Zendesk. And you can learn more about this podcast at Zendesk.com slash repeat customer. Thanks for listening.